Okay, um, we're now going to hear uh, the reading for, the scripture reading for this week. It comes from Mark 5, 21 through 34. Listen to God's word. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him. Am I reading? Okay, yeah, I got it right. Okay. <laughs> sorry, I wanted to make sure my version was matching the version up here. Uh, yeah, sorry, gathered around him. Um, let's see, I lost my place that fast. Okay, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had, had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. And immediately her hemorrhages stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, you see this crowd is pressing in on you. How can you say, who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Thanks be to God. A universal reputation meets a universal need. A universal reputation meets a universal need. Will you pray with me? Blessed God, we thank you. We thank you for the service, we thank you for the ministry of music. We thank you for the ministry happening now with our children. We thank you for the ministry of live stream. We thank you for those who are gathered here physically and those who join us online. God, I pray that you would bless us this morning and that you would lead us this morning. I pray not only that you would bless us, but God, in this world, there are people right now who need your blessing. I pray for those who are in Turkey and Syria. Oh God, I pray that they would continue to find folks who are living. And God, for those who have lost loved ones, I pray that thou mightest be a comforter to them. God, and even in our land right now, there are those who are mourning, those who are in grief, those who are depressed and those who simply need wisdom for this hour. I pray, God, that you would grant it unto them according to your grace. Bless us as we gather here now. Let us hear your word and let us hear what you would have for us to do because of the hearing of your word. This is my prayer in thy son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Today, my friends, we're going to continue our series on reproductive justice. And um, I want us to recognize, though we've been talking about reproductive justice as it um, relates to pregnant, capable people, I want us to think about reproductive justice, not only about the right to have children or the right not to have children, but also to think about reproductive justice uh, as our overall well-being. This right, this right to be well in our bodies, is a right that's not only important for someone else, but it's important for our families, it's important for our communities, and it's important for our world. And so this morning, I want us to spend some time thinking about the importance of health care. It's important for us and was certainly important for the writers of the gospel lesson. You see it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In each one of those gospel lessons, there's a story that is recorded about some miraculous healing taking place because of Jesus the Christ. So well-being, health care, you would think it's important. So many stories of healing the sick and raising the dead are in these gospel stories. There are so many stories that it's perhaps good for me to ask you this morning to ponder, to ask yourselves this question. Here I go again with questions. But this week, perhaps not as many as last week. But I want you to ask yourselves this question. Can Christ be Christ for us? had healing not been such a prevailing element of what Christ did? Would Christ really be Christ for us if we didn't have all these wonderful stories of healing? If healing, the miracle-working healing of Jesus Christ, if these things were not recorded in the works of Jesus Christ. In other words, maybe I should say it this way. Would Christ be among the top ten of superheroes had he not healed the sick? Would, is, is, is that important for us? And I think so. I really think so. I think healing is important. Over against all the other miracles, we see not one, we see not two, we see not three, but we see masses of people who follow Jesus because they need what? They need to be healed. So obviously, healing is, was important then, and healing is just important for us now. The Bible in several places tells us uh, that the people would bring the sick to Jesus, and he would heal, the Bible said, all who were sick. All who were sick. So no doubt, we do resonate with this healing Messiah. Because sickness, sickness, friends, is an ever-present reality in our lives. We don't get away from sickness now. I, of all people, know that having just, you know, overcome COVID. We don't get away from sickness. Sickness is always in our lives. Human beings get sick. Or as my grandma would say, if you live long enough, it's going to happen to you. <laughs> Doesn't matter who you are. 
doesn't matter your social economic status. It doesn't matter how many vitamins you take. It doesn't matter how many, how many herbs you take. You know, people are always telling me, you know, you just need to take some vitamin D. You know, you, you all probably have had that. People walk up to you and tell you, well, you know, I heard that turmeric was really good. You all, you all really tried that, you know. So every, people have their own ways of telling you how to get healing. Human beings get sick, my friends. And for the most part, human beings fight sickness. Human beings are attracted to what they think will make them better. And so it's, it's, it, does, it makes all the sense in the world to me that so many people would be attracted to Jesus because he, he began to have this great reputation of being a healer. And this is the one thing that we all have in common. We need healing. I remember a colleague of mine with whom I worked with in Frankfurt, Germany, got sick from an aggressive form of breast cancer. And she fought hard. And uh, then when all the medical options were exhausted, she turned to miracle-working preachers like Benny Hinn. I know I'm probably dating myself. <laughs> but back in the day, Benny Hinn and other kind of persons like him would have these great tent meetings and revivals. Um, and so she became obsessed with attending one of his Miracle Crusade revival meetings. And she just knew, we, we would talk and she would tell me, she, she was just convinced that if she got to one of those crusade meetings, that she would be healed. Well, she, she, she ultimately and sadly died. But she didn't die without a strong battle. That's a sad story, you know, but this is a fact of life. This is a fact of life. She did everything that she could do to be healed. And each one of us will do everything that we can do in order to be healed. It was, at the time for me, the way that she went about her healing, it was at the time for me um, not a good thing because I'd just come out of a Pentecostal cult. And if any of you have ever been involved in the Pentecostal church, and I don't want to cast a disparaging remark about any one Pentecostal church in particular, but do you, you do know that healing is very much, um, very, very important in the Pentecostal tradition. You know you get that oil, you get that blessed oil, slap them on the head with that blessed oil, and you pray over them, and you speak some good tongues over them, and the spirit will come, and you know, if they fall out on the floor, you know, under the quickening of the spirit, I God. And uh, people reach out for that. People long for that. People go where they think their needs can be met and where they think that Jesus will show up miraculous, miraculously for them. My judgment about her and my judgment about this kind of following has changed over time. And it's changed because I, I no longer see it as foolishness. It was a time that I saw it as foolishness. The older I become, the more subtle I become because I know that people do whatever they can. People seek out whatever measures they can 
when they're fighting for their lives. I've been in hospital rooms where people, where I, I would just walk into the hospital room and I, I knew it wouldn't be long. The family was praying for a miracle. And as a clergy person, it is not my responsibility to tell a family person when they're holding on to the, by their faith, holding on, it's not my responsibility. In, in fact, it's, I think it's in poor taste not to believe and not to hold on with them. I think it's in poor taste to chastise people at that time because people are fighting for their lives. Human beings are attracted, what did I say? Human beings are attracted to what they think will make their lives better. They're attracted to what they think will make their lives better and it won't cost you anything to believe and hold on with them. Even if you must believe hope against hope, you know, don't take that away from people. Please don't take that away from people. And this is so apparent to me that people will follow what they think will make their lives better. When I read Mark, the fifth chapter, Jesus has just left Gerasenes after delivering a man from a legion of demons. And you may remember that rather than celebrate that miracle, that this man had been delivered from a legion of demons, rather than celebrate the deliverance, what do the people in the city do? They ask Jesus, they get afraid, and they ask Jesus to leave. Now Jesus does not hang around where he is not wanted, you all. That's a lesson for us, too. Some of, <laughs> some of us hang around where we're not wanted too long. But, but Jesus does not hang around where he is not wanted. And so he gets into the boat, and he crosses to the other side of Decapolis, where his universal reputation has preceded him, and he is welcomed by this great crowd, this great crowd of believers. And the first lesson that we might draw from the text that we're reading today is also, it's not only that humans are attracted to what will make their lives better. But for good or for bad, human beings will gather in great numbers, in great numbers for what they feel will make their lives better. Look, if you got something that's working for you, I'm going to. That's a lesson for the Christian church about sharing Jesus the Christ. Look, if Jesus is good for you, let me tell you about my Jesus. Come follow me. That's a beautiful lesson. Um, and so people flock in great numbers to what they think will make their lives better. My daughter loves to remind me that there are persons who are unfortunately dying on tables in back alleys trying to get for money, trying to get for money the kind of physique that she was blessed to inherit. That, some of you all missed that. <laughs> So let, let, me, let, me, let me break it down this way. There are people who are lying on so-called so medical tables trying to fix their bodies to be what they are not. You know, there are poor, horrible stories of women who have gotten cement implanted into their buttocks because they feel like that appearance will make their lives better. Human beings are attracted to what they think will make their lives better. 
So by the seashore, Jesus' universal reputation for healing has drawn at least two people who have need of Jesus' healing powers. And I don't want, I really don't want to linger too long on the healing power of Jesus because I think we can, we can glean much more from this text by focusing on the people the people who got Jesus' attention. And first among those people is Jairus. And this is the faith leader the text tells us. Jairus has come to Jesus, not for himself, but he's come to Jesus uh, for his 12-year-old daughter whose condition, we do not know what her condition is. But we do know, according to the text, that she has been so sick that she is near death. So sick that she is near death. Then there's a story of the woman who has been sick, who has been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. And this woman has spent all that she has on medical care. Both this leader and this woman go to Jesus in dire straits. One moves about freely and makes his request openly, and the other, who's considered ritually unclean because she has she is bleeding from her body. And those of you that are Bible students, you know in Leviticus, you know in the house codes, you know that in those times, women who were bleeding were considered unclean, unclean until the bleeding stopped. And so, stopped. And so, she moves rather stealthily, and she moves quite gingerly in order to make her case before Jesus. And in so doing, by her moving towards Jesus, having been considered unclean, by her doing that nonetheless, what is she doing? She's breaking through a stigma. She's putting on hold. She's suspending, she's suspending norms. She's refusing to hold on to the traditions of that time. Now, don't linger too long with the woman because the man also is somewhat moving through norms, is he not? This is the man who's considered a leader, okay? He's a leader of the synagogue, and he approaches Jesus. And at this time, Jesus has been, Jesus has been spoken of in very poor, ter poor terms. And yet, because his daughter's sick, remember what I said, people do what they need to do. People will do what they need to do in order to get a healing. She breaks through stigma. He breaks through societal norms. Indeed, she feels she must forsake all societal norms. Those norms that, that told her where she could lay, where she could sit, who she could touch, and how unclean she was. Okay? And it's not Jesus that touches her, but it is her who touches, not Jesus, but touches Jesus' garment. This is how deep her faith was. I don't really need to touch the man. It doesn't let me get in proximity to the man. Both these stories describe Jesus as a well-sought-out healer and as someone who freely healed those who came to him in need. And they describe people uh, not unlike people today, People who, for the most part, were willing to exhaust all that they had, were willing to take on the norms of society, 
people who were willing to push against the societal standards and norms and rules in order to get what they needed. So the question is, how much are you willing to go past to get what you need? And unfortunately, some people are held back. Some people do not get what they need because it's more important for them that they hold on to the norms, the traditions, the standards. So you let, so there are people, none of you, <laughs> there are people who let what somebody else tells them how they should be, who they should love, who they should hang around with, you let somebody else dictate your happiness in life. Stop. <laughs> the lesson here in the story is that, you know, for the sake of Jesus, in order to be with Jesus, it is good and just and righteous for you to push past some stuff in order to do what it is, to receive what it is, that Christ has for our lives. Let me get to the crux of what I want to say. I could have selected any number of scriptures today to make the critical point that healthcare ought to be accessible and affordable for us all. But really, what does it mean when I say that healthcare ought to be accessible and affordable for us all? This is what I mean. Let me break it down with a few additional scriptures. There's a text in John, in the letter of John, where the writer says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mightest be, that's the King James Version, I came up in the Pentecostal church, please forgive me. <laughs> Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mightest prosper and be in good health even as thy soul prospereth. I wish above all things that you would prosper, that is the material, and be in good what? Health. But you do those things even what? As your soul prospers. So not just one thing. Prosper, not just prospering materially. That's a good equation there for us. Some people are only concerned about material blessings. And so they come and they seek Jesus out for what Jesus can give them materially. In fact, they say, I'm going to name and claim my blessing today. <laughs> but I wish above all things that thou mightest prosper and what? And be in good health. The Lord wants you in good health. You can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have good health, it doesn't solve anything. And then here's the other part. Even as your soul prospers, you can have all the money in the world. You can have the best of health. You could be, oh, LV, LV's got it. LV's got it. Good health. I mean, physique broke down, cut everything. <laughs> Bless LV. I could not do that. I mean, I'm going to always have a little chunky on myself. <laughs> and tell the truth and shame the devil in this church. If y'all don't want to hear preach, tell the truth and shame the devil. This is not the place for you. 
But the Bible says, I wish above all things. I'm giving you, I'm giving you an equation to take. I wish above all things that thou mightest prosper. This is what the Lord wants for us. And be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Do something for your soul. Do something for your spirit. This is what Jesus wanted. In fact, it was so important that when Jesus recognized that someone touched him, he turned to them and he talked to the woman and the woman told him she'd done it. What does he say, what does he say to her? It wasn't that her touching his garment made her whole, but this is what Jesus said made her whole. Your faith, your faith has made you well. This is what has made you well. Beloved, take care of your soul. Take care of your spirit. Take care of your spirit. Take care of your soul. And I love what young people say when they say, oh, that's, I don't want that energy in my, in my place. Oh, that's bad energy. What are they trying to say? They're trying to say, whatever it is that, that you, you bring in with you, it's messing with my spirit. I wish that you would prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. And then lastly, in James, you can, I mean, you can get all of these things right, but why is health care important for us? It's not only important for us, but it's important that we work it out for other people, that we do all we can to ensure that everyone has the right that right to access of good health care. Why? Because you can do all these things for yourself, but faith without works is dead. That's in the Bible. You can work it all out. You can pray, pray, pray. You can, you know, pump up your body, do everything, do everything that's good for you. But if you don't put some works to your faith, and not just for yourself, but works for other people, then really are we living a good Christian life? And are we followers of Jesus? The people got to Jesus because somebody else told them about Jesus. They put their faith to works. Our responsibility includes more than prayer. But I, but, you know, I believe that God does require us to pray. But even more than that, I think God requires us to act. Because prayer is an action word. Amen, amen. and amen. Thank you.